Welcome, bienvenue, to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue the intro music. So Game of Thrones is finally back. One might say that our long winter is over. Yeah, the long night. <laughs> the long night. Yeah, the winter. For me, it really feels like summer is back with the show being on. And uh, not just because I crushed you in the over-unders. You lost handily in the over-unders. I think even with the one that we vehemently dispute, I still won. There is... There is no way. How many how many people died by dragon or how many people died by okay, dragon? Zero people were killed by dragons. How many boobies did we see? Zero. And how many glasses of wine poured? Okay, there were many glasses of wine poured. Okay. So you got the brand. I crushed the brand. The brand one. Okay, so you got one. And then there was one flashback. There was not a flashback. <laughs> All right, so that first scene, I said to myself, look at this. I am winning two bets all in one because <laughs> there are millions of glasses of wine being poured. I was wondering if you're going to try to tell me that they weren't glasses but goblets, which is so no, good by you. I'll give you that. And then, lo and behold, it's everyone who ended up being eaten by Walder Frey is alive and well. I completely dispute that. I do not think that anyone that was eaten by Walder Frey was in that shot. And I might as well be gracious here and just say, I think that I understand. I went back to, I went back and watched the last episode and I have one opinion. And then I went through and read what they have as the script and I think I, I think I understand what you're saying is that it's okay. only the Lothar and Blackwalder are supposed to be in that pie at the end of season six. So I concede that I cannot tell whether those two are in that shot. So I have to concede that. Now, the tough thing about the phrase is that he doesn't ever seem to dine with his sons at the table because that would have been a dead giveaway, right? If if he had always dined like many of the other lords with their their close kin right. at their table, but he never seems to do that. I think that with all of the verbal cues that it was all extended family there, plus it was the second feast. He even directly said it was another feast. But he said second feast in short order here. I mean, the problem with this show is that you never know how much time is going on. <laughs> Well, in general, yeah, obviously the timeline is is drastically warped in many different places. I mean, that's like one of my big takeaways from watching season six again. Is <laughs> like Varys. Oh, Varys is here. Yeah, Varys is there. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, that must have taken months for that to happen. 
Anyway. But all right. So even if I seed the flashbacks to you, that still means that I won three to two. Um, the over-unders. I come on. You're the you're the math guy here. You're lucky that the human killings that there were none. Otherwise, we could have had a fierce argument. There were none by a dragon. So I I destroyed you in the over-unders. It's a little rough. It's a little rough. We'll figure out what to come back to. <laughs> All right, well, today, Eric has tried so hard to not let me talk about this, and finally, in our 21st podcast of the year, I'm going to talk about how to strategize with catchers. (laughs) (laughs) And then after the break, Eric is going to revisit something from podcast 1.11, looking at growth charts. So here we go. Judging solely from our league, people don't like to think about catchers too much during the season. And uh, I would point at the two of us who have done absolutely nothing with our catcher position since draft day. Are you really happy with your catcher? I am not really happy with my catcher, but any time that there's a down week by him or, I don't know, he goes on the DL, all I, I look at it, the landscape and I'm just like, no, no, I'm not seeing anything that I want to replace him with. Oh, are you serious? After all of this? Yeah. I mean, like, who's really out there? You'll, you'll, you'll be telling me who's really out there. That that's I have, I have at least five catchers that are available in our league that I would take over your guy. Do you want to defend him? Do you want to demo him right now, or should we save it and let people guess? No, we'll uh, save it. We'll let people guess. Now, I'm operating under the assumption that you picked a catcher. You being everybody here picked a catcher because he was the best guy available at that point in the draft. Maybe the curve was finally bent enough that you were like, all right, I have to pick the value here. You haven't thought about it since. But what if that's not the best assumption? That's what this is all about. Shockingly, catcher is not as dire as one might assume. And in particular, in 2017, I would venture to say that the draft order is turning relatively predictable value. Not so in other years. I still don't think that they're going to be game changers. I'm not saying game changers. They can be negative game changers, though. Like, my example here, my big example here is Jonathan LaCroix, who was drafted in the eighth-ish round overall and has been garbage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Garbage. Like, that was a throwaway pick. I would agree. Yes. I mean, you and I, you know, a little bit of a spoiler here for where this is going. You and I both tried to both went into the draft thinking we were going to wait, 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 wait on catchers. Eventually, I thought saw a catcher that I thought fit my strategy really well. And you were just, I'm just going to wait. And we're the last guy to pick a catcher in our league. Yes. Yeah. It's undeniable that you got great value out of your pick solely because <laughs> at some point you hit a floor. <laughs> But I still think that uh, that there is utility to picking a catcher in the middle. And I'm of the opinion that a catcher is simultaneously the most and least strategizable position. Interesting. Before I jump into what I see the different strategies, care to let us behind the curtain a little bit on your thoughts on catcher strategy? My thoughts on the catcher strategy. I, You know, it's really to put as little... <laughs> mental (laughs) (laughs) mental capital in as possible i think there have been years where i decided i was just going to keep on on swinging and um keep on dropping catchers and Mm. picking up the hot one 
And that meant that I ended up having two guys that ended up doing that were top five catchers who were on my roster at one point in time, who I ended up dropping just for the, the next fish. And then I ended up wasting you know, I, you know, 12 to 15 bucks in fab on that. And I said, that's really not worth it. And the next year I used a high draft pick on someone who never returned the value. And then this year I just said, you know what, I'm going to try, I'm just going to try, I'm going to pick one guy with the last pick somehow a guy that I thought was a top 10 catcher fell Mm-hmm. to the very last round i'd picked him up and i've kept him in in my slot even through the dl and i haven't been upset with him at all <laughs> i love you keeping him in through the dl now i will say i really can't knock your pick for where you got him in value let me lay out some different options for catcher strategy here And I'm going to start with what Eric's favorite appears to be, which is the don't wreck things strategy of catchers. Yep. One strategy here is just what if you, the most extreme version of this is what if you don't even have one? You operate under the assumption that every catcher that you could possibly roster is going to actively hurt your team in some category, probably average. Now, my question is, what would you replace them with in this scenario? Have you thought about this before? Yeah, well, when I when I was employing the basically no catcher um, rule was because I was down. <laughs> I I was down a um, a set of DL spots, so it wasn't like I was able to even put them in the DL. And it the like the week that I was specifically looking at, I had gotten ahead a little bit in batting average, so I was like, well, I don't want to kill batting average, so I might as well try to. <laughs> at least preserve that one yeah that's kind of tough what if you get ahead in batting average do you and you had a crummy catcher would you ever just pull them and put them on the bench or drop them could be absolutely i mean part of this part of this exercise just in the spirit of full honesty is that i do think that a catcher could make or break a playoff week or having the right strategy there. I mean, yes, that is absolutely certain. Every single spot is crucial in a playoff week. And so maybe it does make sense to replace your catcher with a pitcher for that one week if you are really trying to maximize your innings. All right. My other strategy, if you don't want to go as extreme as don't have one, is the strategy that I chose this year, which was look for a like slap hitting type catcher who's just going to get bang out single after single after single, try and maximize the number of hits that they get and not look for bonuses in any other categories. I think that made sense that he would align with your the proposed strengths of your team. And so far, he has. I like that we're not revealing who we, who we have yet. <laughs> Building anticipation. All right. Still, yeah. Other strategies. Here we go. Pursue power only. Does this strategy I can actually see working if you've built your entire team around just the power, 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 power. And in this case, yeah. for one team this year, it would really work. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, and the idea there would be to maximize either home runs or RBIs, ideally both, of course. The other side would be to pursue scoring, which would be to maximize runs. And the way that I would do this is pick the catcher who plays the most on the best team. And just look for, go down the run differential and see, okay, you know, the Astros are super hot, get me the Astros catcher. Or the Yankees are super hot, the Dodgers are super hot, grab whoever their catcher is 
even maybe a backup catcher or they're not everyday catcher. And then Tyler Flowers is really hot. Dude, so just grab him. You rip on Tyler Flowers, but Tyler Flowers is a very ownable catcher right now. And I will say that a small part of me wanted to do this specifically because of Tyler Flowers. <laughs> He's. This is not the only time he will be mentioned. Okay. I would say that only one person meets the maximum amount of these goals, which is Salvador Perez. Which is crazy because the last two years he didn't meet any of these goals. He is a what? He's a six-time all-star right now. <laughs> so you can be, you know, just thinking about the tying in some of the all-star game from last week. But part of this, to me, he's a huge regression candidate. This is one, you know, part of this is just sort of where he's at right now. And to motivate this, I'm going to run down the top 20 guys or just look at, talk about in general, the trends in the top 20 guys in four of the categories that we talked about. So I talked about how you might want to maximize each one of these individual categories as a catcher strategy. So the first one is home runs. Uh, and there's only one standout here. Salvador Perez has 18 home runs at catcher so far. Gary Sanchez is coming in second. Oof. He's got 14. And he also had a ton of time off. You know who's third? Austin Hedges. Austin Hedges. Look at that. <laughs> that is bizarre. And then you've got, I mean, to me, then this reads like a, a lucky list after that. You've got Robinson Chirinos, Mike Zunino, who I don't care what anybody says. That dude is just straight up lucky. Um, you got Wilson Contreras in there. Grandal is believable. Posey's believable. Alex Avia, who is available in a ton of leagues. And then, hilariously, the McCann brothers. <laughs> right, the McCann brothers. <laughs> Next to each other. So, okay, keep those guys in mind. What's funny about the home run list to me is that none of these guys, except for Salvador Perez, you know, Buster Posey as well, show up on any other list. <laughs> oh, yeah. The home runs is a very unique strategy, which tells me something workable about it. Now we'll move to runs. When I was talking about runs and the strategy there, I was talking about just getting good teams. And what I see here when I look at the distribution yep. of the top 20 run scoring catchers, I see two distinct plateaus with the first five guys and then the next five guys and then everybody else just sort of forms a tail. Is that sort of what you see? Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's there are a clear top 10, and that's in about two tiers, and then it just kind of falls falls off slowly, but surely. Sorry, I uh, could you, could, I'm having a hard time reading this. Could you tell me who number 10 is right now? Oh, is that is that Mr. Flowers? <laughs> that would, that, oh, that would be Mr. Tyler Flowers. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> nice. Which is, which is also a little bit shocking, considering that he plays on the Braves and like does not play every day how is he scoring that many runs yeah well it tells you the braves don't have many guys to play yeah if the braves are really relying on their catcher to score runs it's things are getting a little crazy it's not good all right what about hits this is another one that i was thinking about really trying to maximize if you wanted to just minimize the damage that you're doing and maximize sort of the utility mm. that strategy Seems to backfire when you look at this. There's a plateau of three guys that have significantly more hits than the rest of the guys, and unfortunately, none of them are my catcher. So Buster Posey, Real Muto, and Salvador Perez, again, are out there actually getting hits, 
trying to help your average on a regular basis. So do you have a favorite strategy? Have you, have you thought about anything differently after this discussion? I should probably look at my catcher position. It's been a while, but I'll, I might take a look and, and decide if I should go for someone else. But really, I, I feel like I have screwed up the last bunch of years, so I'm, I'm not too concerned that this year I'm screwing up anymore. How do you feel about Alex Avia? He's the best available right now. Alex Avia. I see that's the problem is like I don't think that he is going to move the needles enough for even the dollar that I spend for the chance that Wellington Castillo will turn around at any time and, and be better. You know who's got more runs than Alex Avia? Uh some guy named Tony Walters and another guy named Manny Pena, who I have really both never sent spent any thoughts on. Yeah. Haven't sent any tyler flowers i gotta send some tyler flowers he appears on all these (laughs) lists i don't care what you say he i think tyler flowers is a legit upgrade over your ownership right now (laughs) i he might be you want to put a board bet yeah i would love to you want to do it rest second half of the season rest of the season okay tyler flowers yeah from the all-star break on i love it that is that is a bet that i love to take and while we're at it i will say you know, you're concerned about Salvador Perez. He always gets tired because he's overplayed. He's got, like, the most games played, appearances, etc. Oh. I would say that your guy is going to be better than Salvador Perez for the second half. I mean, I'm I'm definitely going to take the reverse jinx on that. <laughs> so I will, I will say that Salvador Perez is going to still do better than him second half. I don't think it's going to be significant, but I think he's going to be better. Uh, he's he has second he has the second um, highest number of plate appearances for the catchers second only to Buster Posey who is not really a catcher anymore. We will eventually both get back to superior sound quality, but in the meantime, they have already solved the pitching problem. He's sitting in AAA. They don't have to worry about it. He's oh, gonna come boy. up. He's going to be so ready. Yeah, Bartolo takes up the size <laughs> of two men. He is ready. I I don't even know how long I laughed for. At least five minutes straight. Man, they're just really like locking down the fifth starter with Hector Santiago, Gibson, and Phil Hughes. Now Bartolo Colon. You just have just a roster of fifth starters. <laughs> Way back in episode 1.11, I mentioned how I was looking at growth charts, which map the growth of an organism, be that height, weight, etc., um, over time and compares the measurements with quartiles, quantiles, etc., within the population. My thought at the time was that we could apply this method to the growth of fantasy baseball players' stat accrual. Um, For instance, what does the growth of Charlie Blackman's run total look like compared to the universe of outfielders? Well, as it so happens, pretty darn good. I presented a fun little tool wherein someone with the tool could specify a player, a stat, and a player's position of interest, um, just for comparison purposes, and then a graph would be created plotting that player's accrual of stat, and then bands of percentiles would be drawn underneath those stats. Uh, I spent a bit of time after the pod to spruce things up, add some labels and titles, make it color color prominent, etc. Um, but otherwise, the tool is the same as presented. 
Mike, I mapped out a couple of players here. What do you think of the way these came out? And what do you think of the players that I picked? Well, well, I have to say, with the players that you picked, I'm wondering if anybody actually comes out below the 50th percentile. Well, I mean, players, yeah, players <laughs> that wouldn't be owned come out, come yeah. out that low. No, see, that's that's kind of the interesting thing about this to me is that I wonder, I wonder if we should change the scale bar a little bit so that... Um, so that it's not so smushed together at the top. But that said, I like this idea. I mean, I've I've liked this idea for a long time because I've, you know, one thing that I've maintained for a while is that the derivative of these stat accruals is important. You know, we talked about this when we've discussed volatility in the past and trying to get a sense. You can you can smooth by eye over the volatility when yeah, you're exactly. looking at these guys. You can see that there's an excellent reason to call one of your choices, Albert Pujols, the machine, which is that he was at ni the 95th percentile the entire time. He isn't wavering. He didn't have a slow start like one of your other choices here, Corey Dickerson, who I think is riding, was at least for quite a while, riding an epic hot streak, and we might be starting to see him come back down from that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, we're sort of hoping because we have oh, poo-pooed him. him. Yes, and Albert Pujols... The machine at, you know, <laughs> 45 years old or whatever his uh, real birth certificate says is still just a fantasy stalwart. So now these are really fun when you know a player that you are curious about or know a couple of players you're, uh, you'd like to compare. Um, but in the end, this is not data mining nor a data reduction technique which means <laughs> that it doesn't fit within the narrative of season one of our podcast. Or does it? Okay, so um, not so fast. Now that we can see this data temporally, we can uh, start to think about the accrual of stats longitudinally and compare across players. So this is where as soon as you start seeing the graphs, you start saying, oh, well, that, you know, I could, I could fit a line through that. And then I wonder what the slope <laughs> of that line would be. And I wonder what the y-intercept would be. And I wonder how that would compare from player to player to get to go from being a qualitative look at the data to quantitative. So what did I do? Um, looking at these growth charts, as I said, I started thinking that I needed to fit a line to each one of these growth patterns, developing a linear regression, linear regression, model, I don't know why that corrected, to mile, <laughs> for each player, uh, for each stat. <laughs> and then um, and then that would give me a few pieces of information. Number one, coefficients, aka growth slope. Um, in other words, the weekly rate of a player's stats growth. So how many, um, how many runs would you expect in a week is the coefficient of the linear regression model. The inter intercept, then, is very interesting as well. In theory, this should be zero. Everyone starts at zero. But a positive intercept would suggest that the player is actually on, is slowing their growth. So to uh, you know, adjust linear regression model, you have to um, intercept above the x-axis and then vice versa when it's below. It means that a player is actually um, a is starting to accrue that stat more at a heavier pace. And then last, we have variance in estimator metrics, which which should serve as a proxy for consistency. You know, players with a low R squared or RMSE or 
um, <laughs> mean, mean absolute error uh, are players that are more consistent than players with lower numbers. R squared is, is pretty good about giving us more of a consistency measure against, uh, I mean, even like, I mean, oh my gosh, Joey Votto, he's not actually at 1.0. It's actually like 99. It's like nine nine seven or something ridiculous That's like ridiculous. that. But he is right on his expected. Uh, Joey Votto. We're looking at his plot and his um, the plot of his point growth, his runs growth over the linear regression model. They're right on each other. That's amazing. So four point six. That's crazy. So this is already starting to tell us a little bit more than just mapping out the growth charts. But I wanted to go further and look at everyone. So I put together a quick function and was able to iterate across players, um, run the algorithm, and attach results to a table with the player names and run totals. Uh, decided, as I said, to just run through the outfielders in runs example. Uh, we can dig further into other positions later. <laughs> but now I feel a little bit like Oprah because that's not all. You get a car, you get a car, you get a car. I slipped the results into the K-means clustering algorithm to try to classify these players. Mike, I sent over um, the results of this to you. What What do you think here? I love your titles. Gotta say, I you know we're we're getting kind of straightforward here. It's funny that it was so obvious to you that you could classify a good past prime type category which almost works and then really bums me out that somebody like Christian Yelich and Miguel Sano end up in that. Right. And do, and I should mention that I, I've got these, uh, these clustering names and they're not there for this year. It's not it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. necessarily supposed to be for um, their careers, but it is supposed to be for this year. So prime players might be some players who are past their actual prime and, um, Good but past prime might be, you know, young players. But yeah, I thought that for the most part this made sense. The one of the clusters that I put together that was uh, really hard to interpret is the going nowhere. Because mm. if you look at the going nowhere, it actually has the lowest average R squared. Which mm. means that this is, this is a category of, of guys who are... A little bit more erratic might be good might be bad and one of those that i looked at was bryce harper who huh. is who is put in this category even though he's getting a f four runs a week um and but the problem is that he's got a really high y intercept Ooh, and that's because he was on a torrid pace and has now gone back to that and he's now on that four <laughs> four runs a week average so that really hurt him so he ends up being in this going nowhere uh, category eric thames did come in here because there again he started with a editorial yep. pace and then is now slowed down significantly so looking at this though i mean you're the guy who's interested in runs this year i'm surprised that you weren't interested in melky cabrera he seems to be pretty consistent and he's and i just picked him up just because yep i just picked him up but he's been on our waiver wire for a while, even though he's kind of accruing stats. You know, it's interesting because he's come across my radar multiple times and I have been very loath to believe it. You know, I haven't believed that he's on a sustainable pace. I kept thinking like, oh, he must just be exploding 
for a couple weeks and then he's going to cool back off. But wish I'd had this tool. Yeah. And then the other guy on the up, Tommy Pham. Get out of here. Still here. Yeah, man. Tommy Pham, still the guy. Get out of here on your Tommy Pham obsession. He's your Tyler Flowers, man. We got to find him in a game. Yeah, we got to figure out how to get to a St. Louis Cardinals game. Ooh, very important. All right, so... In the end, I was able to put together a list of players and classify them into a few discrete categories. Um, now I have a good sense for players that may be on the, the up, are on fire, are cooling off, um, and are all over the map. These include fantasy regulars, waiver wire fodder, and unowned guys. But my big takeaway is that graphing this out in the first place on the growth charts really helped in telling the story and really pushed the narrative and us to us me to um decide to hone the analysis to what i was looking at so i want to encourage everyone whether this is fantasy baseball or this is something else some other data mining exercise make sure that you get this stuff into a graph you can you can really see a lot and um you can really get inspiration once you actually see it all right you want to wrap this sucker up I do. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling very refreshed this week for fantasy baseball. We had four days off from fantasy baseball last week. No team rotations that we, our entire league collectively decided to skip ad drop. Uh, how'd you feel? <laughs> I, well, considering that I am not doing well this year, it was, it, it was kind of nice to <laughs> not have to look at my team and cringe. <laughs> every day yeah i don't know i i gotta say speaking of someone who is frequently eliminated from the playoffs um there's there's a certain sort of reckless abandon and tinkering that can take place after you've been eliminated oh yeah yeah there's no end of like thinking that you could make that one move that could put you back in into not even contention but like not embarrassment (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also true. Uh, all right, couple MLB topics here. All Star Game results. What'd you think? What'd you think of the game in general? Didn't watch it. I don't watch the All Star Game. Oh come on, man! First of all, Yadier Molina hits a home run. Uh, so <laughs> wish it had counted. So you're all over but, that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you you better believe I'm all over that. One last item on the MLB topics. Have you seen the right sale price ice cream? ad oh yeah i i just heard about it yesterday Uh, yeah you you got to get back into the massachusetts groove here no absolutely no i really messed it up that was (laughs) that's pretty good effort i encourage all of our listeners to go and search for the right sale price mlb ad it's essentially a 21st century version of who's on first i guess sort of Done poorly, but, you know, well, done. what do you expect from athletes? Yeah. By athletes. That's right. So that brings us to the review session. Mike, I'll let you introduce this one. So it's summertime. Everyone's out there spending time at the beach. So we've rapidly transitioned to being a sort of health-conscious podcast, I guess. How do you feel about <laughs> replacing bread with lettuce and making lettuce wraps? I am totally unsure of where you're going to take this but i (laughs) i appreciate the concept Uh and i think that it's it's something that like 
makes sense and might as well give it a try. Doesn't work. Oh. Doesn't work. I've never, I've never had a lettuce wrap where I've felt confident that I don't look like an idiot eating it. <laughs> and also, I haven't felt confident that it won't fall apart within two bites. So, I like the idea. No problems with it. If I see someone eating a lettuce wrap, it's like, oh, good luck there, buddy. But um, <laughs> it's it's not like I'm going to make fun of those people. There, there's a good reason that it doesn't appear on many menus because of all the things that you just listed. I think it's hard to eat them while looking intelligent or attractive in any way. But that said, I kind of like to fight through it. I don't care. I'll put uh, I'll put oh, yeah? I'll put anything in there and uh, and just sort of fight through it and then you gotta go you gotta go back with a spoon and hit up your plate afterwards. But like the concept, I don't know. Into it, you can wrap any sandwich at Jimmy John's as a lettuce wrap instead of in their bread. <laughs> that is that is absurd. I can't believe you didn't know that. Yeah, it's called and they even have the name the Unwitch. It's a great one. Oh my god! That was honestly my original exposure to lettuce wraps. But the only reason I really brought it up is because I keep <laughs> seeing it cropping up in different cookbooks and different magazines and thinking about mm. that. And so, you know, it's it's our duty to address the latest trends in food here. And so I wanted to get your thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I don't have a problem with it. I do think it's sort of laughable. But, <laughs> you know, if, it, if a person can make it work, I, I think the... I mean, it's also really dependent on the quality and the size of your lettuce. Oh, so key. No, absolutely. But, you know, for me, I, I'm a big fan of garden fresh lettuce. I will just eat it straight up. No problem. Oh, yeah. No, that's the best way to have lettuce. Yeah. No so, dressing, no nothing. Exactly. So this is sort of sort of like that. I'm not advocating that you put it in like a really, you know, messy, wet sandwich. <laughs> All right. I think that, <laughs> I think that ends our review session. Uh, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left for you is, worst luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too.